right, glad you're with us. Just 64 days to go, and you become the ultimate jury. You will make the decision. The polls are looking dramatically different and dramatically better. We'll have all of the details. Madness is unfolding before our very eyes. Democratic Party in full sync. It, they, they unite as one with the media mob. Now the big talking point is that really the, the violence it, that's happening and unfolding in our cities is Donald Trump's fault. Can you imagine how, I mean, you, you'd think there would be a level of embarrassment at the utter, you know, breathtaking stupidity, you know, from, from the mayor of Portland, the governor of Oregon, you know, the, the mayor of New York, the mayor of Chicago, all, Biden himself, all blaming Donald Trump. Really? Uh-huh. You mean the guy that has been begging you to let him help you restore law and order and you keep screaming you do not want him to do so. Now, the president has been resisting using the Insurrection Act of 1807. He can go there. If it gets bad enough, I'm pretty sure he will go there to save human life, to get lectured by Joe Biden Barack Obama or any Democrat on law and order after eight years as vice president and president, and it was his own hometown, and thousands of people were shot in the eight years. They had the ultimate power. They barely mentioned violence in Chicago. They never lifted a finger to help stop the shooting and the death that was a, a, a happening on a weekend basis. And again, this weekend, just like last weekend, it happened through the eight years. What did they do after Ferguson? When their own Justice Department confirmed uh, Officer Darren Wilson, his actions were justified after rushing to judgment as Obama and Biden always did in every high profile case from Cambridge right on down. And then, of course, Baltimore, Freddie Gray, those cop. I knew early on that there were eyewitnesses because my sources on the ground in Ferguson were kind enough to tell me, you know, vis-a-vis my own reporting, that, uh, in fact, there were numerous eyewitnesses that would corroborate Officer Darren Wilson's story. And they did. And then even the Obama-Biden Justice Department determined it was a justified shooting. I know everyone loves to rush to judgment. I know that just, you know, an instantaneous guilt create wild expectations that will never happen, at least if there's equal justice and there's true application of our laws and our Constitution. But now this this is the new talking point. You know, rioting is not protesting. Biden now denounces the lawlessness and pledges to keep America safe from who? The anarchists? No, from Donald Trump. This is how mad things have gotten. You know, if you want to look, Biden on the campaign trail is now blaming Donald Trump for the city violence. The guy that is on literally out there saying police become the enemy. He's got a running mate, Kamala Harris, out there saying it's a good thing that they de fund the police and and reduce money for the police in Los Angeles. 
And we've got to reimagine all of this. They, they come up with all these, you know, creative ways of saying the same thing. But now all of a sudden, America's, you know, getting a little sick and tired of the nearly 100 days of rioting and looting and arson and mayhem and murder that's happening in these big cities. By the way, what do they all have in common? New York City, Chicago, Illinois, Portland, Oregon, Seattle, Washington, Los Angeles, California, San Francisco. What is, what is the one commonality? They've been run by liberal Democrats for decades. That's the one thing they all have in common. And by the way, we know how to restore order. Like the president helped out Kenosha in Wisconsin. You send in National Guard. We, the tools of policing, the training of policing is simple. They use non-lethal weapons, for example, pepper spray, for example, tear gas to disperse crowds. And when they use those tools, they successfully stop the violence and the rioting and protect innocent mothers and innocent fathers and grandmas and grandpas and little children. You know, not a mayor that says it's a it's, it's a summer of love zone where 19-year-old Horace Lorenzo Anderson Jr. was murdered. And there was another murder in the Chaz Chop autonomous summer of love zone. And now we saw everything unfolding again this weekend in these cities. And Democrats, what have they been next to nothing? They're afraid they don't want to alienate this radical base of theirs and they have bought into it. When, have, when has Joe Biden ever done in 50 years in the swamp to make cities safer and more secure? Is anybody going to ask, why didn't you lift a finger to help Chicago while you are vice president of the United States? You lifted a lot of fingers to help zero experience Hunter get rich as hell. Why didn't you step in? Why didn't you step up? Why didn't you stop the violence in Chicago? There's no good answer to that. What has Joe Biden ever done or can we define in 50 years in the sewer, the swamp of Washington, D.C., to make Americans more safe and secure? Because they haven't. They have allowed this violence to continue unabated now going on for decades. And now Donald Trump wants to stop the violence and he's told over and over and over again, we don't want your help. You know, and it's now the talking point. The mob and the media, the Democrats, Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler, another dope like de Blasio and Mayor Lightweight and Durkin and the rest of them and, and Garcetti. They're just the, the, the dumb. The, your number one job, if you are a mayor, let me tell you what it is. It's to keep your citizens safe and secure so they can actually walk down the street, that their businesses aren't going to be destroyed, that they're not going to be accosted, that they're not going to be victims of assault, where grandmas can walk in the street and not get, you know, beaten to the ground just for the fun of it for some people or confronted by angry mobs. But that's now what is the defund effort. Have they spoken out against these efforts? Nope. That they take the lead and, and plead with people not to be. Nope. They gave an occasional statement like everything else. They sat on the sidelines with coronavirus and now they're, they're lecturing the world and everything they would have done. Except they wouldn't have done the travel ban, subsequent travel bans 
or the quarantines, none of the things that actually mattered the most when, when this thing was taking off. They just point their fingers. We didn't have, where's our, where's our 40,000 ventilators? Never mind the fact that your own health care task force, Mr. Cuomo, said, yeah, you're going to be short 15,783. Why didn't you buy them? Why didn't you listen? Why did you go back and say, well, how do I make better use of the 2,000 I have? Which is what Cuomo did. Now he's writing a book on leadership. You can't make this up. Democrats care about Russian interference? No, they don't, because they didn't give a rip. The mob never gave a rip either about Hillary Clinton's bought and paid for dirty Russian dossier, which was all Russian disinformation. They ignored all of that. They live in this, you know, alternative reality of theirs where they pick and choose that Russia is only important if it affects or impacts uh, the country vis-a-vis Donald Trump. There was no Trump-Russia collusion ever. Hillary Clinton, she paid for Russian disinformation. That disinformation was then used to secure FISA warrants to destroy the, the, the constitutional rights of Carter Page to spy on candidate Trump, transition team Trump, deep into the Trump presidency. They tell us they care about quid and pros and quos, but they ignore, totally ignore the mob and the media and the Democrats, Joe Biden bragging. You're not getting a billion taxpayer dollars until you fire that prosecutor investigating my zero experience son being paid millions. You have any experience, Hunter, in oil? Nope. Gas? Nope. Energy? Nope. 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 Ukraine? Nope. Why do you think they, you made all these millions? I don't know. I have no idea. Maybe because your father is in charge. That's probably true. Unbelievable. So now they think, all right, so they're late to the game. This is now, this is the ultimate in election year conversion unfolding before your eyes with full complicity of the media mob. They all stay on the same talking point. Biden blaming Trump for the violence. Portland Mayor Wheeler blaming Trump for the virus uh, violence that led to the death of an apparent Trump supporter. Oregon governor, another useless politician, Kate Brown, blaming Trump for violence after the Trump supporter was killed in Portland. Same thing in Chicago. Mayor Lightweight, five shot in a restaurant this weekend. Uh, Basically a normal weekend in Chicago. You know, Democratic senators accusing Trump of killing people. I mean, this is how insane they are. And the mob, they're all willing accomplices. This is the biggest This is the biggest, the big lie. That is all this is. You know, David Limbaugh wrote a great column. He said, blaming Trump on for the violence. If he's, you know, he's in office, like blaming him for the border wall, not being erected fast enough. It's like blaming him for the economic downturn caused by coronavirus. When in fact, he has persistently tried over and over again with all this democratic obstruction to sensibly, safely reopen the economy. It'd be like him being blamed for abortions because they have persisted during his first term, uh, despite being the most pro-life president in modern history. But this is doesn't matter. Truth doesn't matter to Democrats. It doesn't matter to the media mob. They never apologize for their conspiracy theory lies, their Russia hoax. They never lied about their impeachment hoax. They never tell the truth about the Democrats doing nothing, not lifting a finger 
and getting everything wrong on steroids and human growth hormone with corona, just like the media mob themselves got everything wrong. In part, not everybody's responsible because China lied to the world. And the one that's coddling in this election, the candidate that's coddled China the most would be, oh, quid pro quo Joe. And zero experience Hunter benefits the most there, too. You got the Portland mayor Wheeler blaming Trump, Biden campaign blaming Trump. You know, now they're saying they're finally saying a few things like, well, yeah, it's really, really bad. Um, We uh, we really need violence to stop now. What, 100 days into the violence in Portland? Oh, now you're going to jump on board and say, oh, it's the other guy's fault? Why, because fake news CNN's Don Lemon changed his mind because the, the rioting has to stop, he said. It's now showing up in the polling. It's showing up in focus group. It's the, it's the only thing right now that's sticking. Oh, so we're just going to lie for 64 days and say we're going to fix it. Joe Biden's been lying for 50 years. What has he fixed up to this point? What has he done up to this point? What is he promising that you would stupidly believe at this point? That's what's at stake. Everything. All right. As we roll along, Sean Hannity Show 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. So now we're just this is now the season of lying. This is now the season of distortion. This is, well, to be very blunt, it's really been over four years of this. The lying hasn't stopped since the day that Donald J. Trump and Melania Trump came down the escalator at Trump Tower. It's the the magnitude and, and the ferociousness with which these lies are now told by both Democrats and the media mob. They have failed on a spectacular level, and they now want to blame Donald Trump for their failures. Decades of failure. Nobody in the mob is ever going to ask, hey, Joe, why didn't, well, Joe never takes questions anyway. Why didn't you stop the violence in Chicago? Why didn't you and Barack stop the violence? Uh, Why, Mr. Wheeler, Mayor, sir, um, why did you allow this to happen? for a hundred days why mayor durkin tell me why did you lie to the people of seattle and say that this is a summer of love zone an autonomous chop chaz zone spaghetti potluck dinner zone why did the mob lie and say it's a festive zone and then they're getting corrected live on, on live national television why did they act like all these democrats in the mob that they cared about russia collusion and ignore hillary clinton's bought and paid for Russian disinformation lie and the spying on a president and campaign and transition team. Why did they ignore? Why did they lie that quid pro quos matter except for Joe? Why did they lie? Why are they lying now? Why did they lie about Obamacare? Millions lost their doctors. Millions lost their plans. All of us are paying on average 200% more. What has Joe Biden ever done? What has Kamala ever done? Now Bolshevik, Bernie, AOC run the Democratic Party. God help this country in 64 days. Live free or die, America, the world on the brink. Uh, 40% off Amazon.com. Costco's, Books a Million, Walmart, Target, uh, Barnes & Noble. uh, So many great places. Thanks so much for your support. You know, I love this. Donald Trump is, is inciting violence. Remember when Maxine Waters said you have members of your cabinet. 
that have been booed out of restaurants. No peace, no sleep. God is on our side, she said. Let's stay the course. Let's show up wherever we have to show up. You see it. You see anybody from this cabinet in a restaurant, department store, gas station, you get out, you create a crowd, you push back on them, you tell them they're not welcome anymore, anywhere. You have members of your cabinet uh, that have been booed out of restaurants. Who have protesters taking up at their house. Who's saying no peace, no sleep. And if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome anymore, anywhere. They're not welcome anymore, anywhere. Wow. You know, we keep hearing the the great years of the Clintons. Oh, oh, okay. The great years of Obama and Biden. Uh, Really? I remember a very different time. Obama calling Tea Party activists the teabag anti-government people. Attorney General Holder, or a nation of cowards, he said. They were pretty divisive. You know, irredeemable deplorables. Maxine Waters comments. Um, and on and on. Remember over at, at uh, MSDNC, they called Scalise an extremist while the guy was fighting for his life after being shot by a Bernie supporter. And I don't blame Bernie for this. I don't think like they do. Um, you know, and, and literally you saw brave police officers. Do we forget about those police officers? You know, or, or Obama going out there trying to say, you know, I want you to, uh, I need you to go out, talk to your friends, your neighbors. You want to talk to them, whether they're independent, whether they're Republican. I want you to argue with them. I want you to get in their face, he said. Wow. We have to level them, Jennifer Rubin, big never-Trumper. Level them because if there are survivors, if there are people who weather the storm, they will do it again. Okay. Boop, 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 boop. Cory Booker encouraged supporters to get up in the face of Republican members of Congress. Get up in the face of some Congress people, he said. Tim Kaine saying, calling on liberals to fight in the streets against Trump and his supporters. Nancy Pelosi, yeah, we already know what she says, all the names she uses. And Republicans are enemy of the state. Oh, I thought they were the party of love. I thought they were the party of bringing people together. You know, Loretta Lynch called for supporters to march, bleed, and die in the streets to resist Trump. Kamala Harris told everyone the riots of the last three months are not going to stop now or after Election Day. Moreover, they should not. Gee, okay, is that do you want to stand by that remark? A great question. Congresswoman Presley called for the unrest in the streets to pressure GOP officials who support the president. Other members of the squad supporting, you know, the rioting, going out as far as pushing uh, a a fund to provide bail for these anarchists. The group behind Occupy Wall Street calling for a 50-day siege of the White House. Wow. Pretty amazing. Okay. How's that working out? The party of law and order? I don't think so. It is interesting, you know, the basement bunker, I guess, maybe is getting boring to little old Joe. Maybe somebody told him that there's a, you know, an election in 64 days. 
But Joe Biden, just like, why did he co-op Bernie Sanders' economic plan? Why did Joe Biden pledge trillions for the for AOC's crazy new green deal and says my plan even goes further? You know, why is Joe Biden and Democrats, why have they been so steadfast in coming out strong, consistently and often in condemning the violence? Well, OK, I said it once before. What do you mean I haven't said anything? That's after you said police become the enemy. That's after you said, yeah, of course, we'll reallocate funds. That's after Kamala Harris said she supported and praised Mayor Garcetti for cutting back on on police. I mean, it's unbelievable. The most radical. This is the most radical Democratic Party you will ever see in anybody's lifetime. This is the most radical party of any major party candidate ever. You know, look, look at the look at the Biden Bernie manifesto, you know, oh, they got they got AOC as the co-chair with John Kerry combating climate crisis and and fighting for environmental justice that will will be fully powered by renewable energy uh, by 2035. Wow. Protecting communities, reforming our criminal justice system. You mean the one that Joe put in place? That Joe Biden, you know, that's when he used the word predators. Provide federal funding to create a civilian corps of unarmed first responders. Uh, Maybe they didn't know. They said they'll ban chokeholds. Donald Trump already did it. Community policing. Okay, what does that mean? You know what? We're going to let, are they going to allow people to be armed? Because they're not exactly pro-Second Amendment either. They call for eliminating private prisons, ending cash bail, eliminating mandatory minimum sentencing. Wow. And by the way, they, they're eliminating private prisons in particular. That's, that's a Bernie Sanders position. You're going to have a task force, all these task force. They're going to guarantee family leave, guaranteed government wage, guaranteed government job. Uh, they now want to study the issue of reparations, uh, which, by the way, Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton did not support. That's how far left this has now become as a party. On taxes, a minimum of $4 trillion. You could probably quadruple that by the time they're done. Repeal right-to-work laws. That mean that workers can't be forced to join a union. Now they're going to be forced to. Well, guess what? That does nothing to help create jobs. As a matter of fact, it stifles job creation. Guaranteeing basically putting home ownership in the reach of every American. And what does that mean? Oh, we'll go to the Community uh, Redevelopment uh, Act. That's the one that sent the, the housing market into the tailspin in the first place. Guaranteeing a secure and dignified retirement. Well, if they didn't raid the Social Security lockbox, we might have had that money still available. You know, oh, now they're promising a world-class education in every zip code. Uh, you've had decades, all you major cities, you've failed miserably. We're going to trust you, what, with more money? You're going to expansion of free meal programs. How does that teach kids how to read, write, and do math? They're going to ban for-profit private charter schools. You can't even have the, I thought they were pro-choice Democrats. They're going to grant monies for historically black colleges and universities. Donald Trump already did that too. Forgive up to 50000 in student debt. Who's going to pay it? Everything's free. More higher taxes. I love my favorite the manifesto achieving universal affordable quality health care oh how did obamacare work out 
Medicare is going broke. I mean, all of this. I, I, I don't have the time to give you all of the details of it. Argon's governor ordering a police surge in Portland after 100 days. Great job, governor. You're right on top of the big issues of the day. I can see that. Uh, this means anything. Latest real clear politics average for betting odds between the two candidates. Well, it's now dead even. Biden, 50.6%. Trump, 49.1%. That's a virtual tie. I don't see much enthusiasm anywhere for a guy by the name of Joe Biden. You have six Democratic mayors in solid blue Minnesota now have endorsed Donald Trump. Minnesota is officially in play. Six Minnesota Democratic mayors, one former independent mayor, have endorsed President Trump for re-election after claiming the Democratic presidential hopeful Joe Biden hasn't done a thing to help working class people. Letter dated Friday, six mayors from Minnesota's Iron Range, named for their iron ore mining districts, Well, their very livelihood is on the line if Biden wins. That would probably be a smart position to take. Two out of three polls now show a major bump that Donald Trump got post-GOP convention, while Biden had a negative negative polling at the end of his morning consult, four-point drop in Biden's pre-convention lead. Uh, Before the Republicans' convention, it was morning consult, had Biden ahead of uh, Trump 52-42, now it's 50-44, and you see similar drops pretty much everywhere. The media mob, I'm sure, are in a full panic. Uh, there was the Zogby poll that came out. The president's support of likely voters, African-Americans in particular, shows the president's support now at the 20% range for Biden at 75. That's not a good number for a Democrat. That's a great number for Donald Trump, and I think it could even be higher. Michael Goodwin has been writing one great column after another, you know, pointing out the Democrats are finally realizing basement Joe's bunker strategy is backfiring. Now they're going to let him loose on the campaign trail and hope he doesn't implode in real time, which is a strong possibility. If you want to know how sick things are in the mob and the media, you have over at MSDNC, the conspiracy channel, Roswell Rachel Maddow's channel, You have one of their, uh, you know, some guest on under fire saying about the Republican convention, a modern day minstrel show. Wow, that's pretty insulting. Wonder if somebody on Fox ever said it. The boycotts, the everything, the silence efforts. I'll tell you, amazing stars in terms of a diversity of speakers. How great was Senator Tim Scott? How great was Vernon Jones, Democratic State Representative, Georgia? How great was Kim Klasick, who's uh, running for the 7th Congressional District in Maryland? Herschel Walker, Nikki Haley, Lieutenant Governor uh, Nunes of uh, Florida, uh, John Ponder, the guy that was pardoned by the president, Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron, a total rock star, Navajo Nation Vice President Myron Leiser, um, so many different people. Burgess Owens, our friend running for the 4th Congressional District in Utah. Uh, Jack Brewer, also a friend of this program. Rick Rennell on this program. Uh, ben Carson, J. Ron Smith, uh, Alice Marie Johnson, who will join us later today. She got a full pardon on Friday. I love her. She's amazing. But that's how they that's how they characterize all of this. Pretty sad. It is pretty sad. But anyway, so now if you look at 
for the latest information. Uh, after the RNC jumping to a three-point lead in the national popular vote, seven-point lead in the in key battleground states, according to the Democracy Institute Sunday Express poll just released yesterday, it shows that Trump is actually leading Biden, leading Biden 48-45 in the national popular vote, one point, uh, a one-point bump from the two-point lead, you know, after the disaster of the DNC convention. Um, which is obviously good news, but none of these polls matter if you don't vote. We have a full interactive electoral map available on Hannity.com. How, when does, how do you register? When does early voting start in your state? Uh, what about absentee? If you're voting absentee this year, how do you do it? If you look at state by state, morning consult, they asked uh, their candidates who you would pick. They found Biden leading by six points, marked a four-point improvement for the president. Real clear politics average. I don't trust any of these polls. But anyway, the same poll that I just mentioned, the Democracy Institute Sunday Express poll, they have Trump up by three in Florida and Minnesota Trump up by three in New Hampshire. The president up by four and uh, which is, again, all good news for the president. That's just a start. But, you know, polls are polls. I don't trust polls. Here's how I look at it. I've said it before. I'll say it every day. That is very simple for me, and that is, okay, you got to act like it's a two-minute drill. You have the ball at your own 20. You have no timeouts. You need, to, you need to drive the ball 80 yards, cross the plane, kick the extra point to win. You want to win. It's always hard. You start out without New York. You start out without New Jersey. You start out without Illinois. You start out without 55 electoral votes out in California. Not good. Also, the Senate seats that are up for grab, they're worth paying attention to. You've got the one in Alabama, very key seat there. Uh, you got Gary Peters of Michigan, the only other Democrat running for reelection this year in the state that Trump carried narrowly. Uh, that would be a big win. Uh, but then you've got Alabama, Democratic incumbent Doug Jones can be beaten. It's going to be a tough race for Cory Gardner. He's done a great job. He's from Colorado. Martha McSally's done a great job for Arizona. North Carolina, Tom Tillis. I know some people think that there's no doubt that Susan Collins is a more moderate Republican, but I'd rather have Susan Collins after the most incredible speech and vote she gave on Kavanaugh. That went a long way with me. Joni Ernst is up for re-election, a very important seat in Iowa. You have David Perdue, an important seat in Georgia. Uh, you got Steve Daines. Uh, he's running. He's up for re-election in the great state of Montana. You got Lindsey Graham up and uh, much, much more. And as I said, Democrat Gary Peters. A lot happening in 64 days. You're the ultimate jury. You get to decide. I live free or die. That is what is on the ballot in just 64 short days. 800-941-SEAN. Toll-free telephone number. You know, we have audio tape of the protesters. We do. And uh, I'm going to play seven and nine here because, you know, in D.C., for example, Black Lives Matter protests are calling for putting cops in graves and burning the White House down. Wow. Portland protesters. I'm not I'm not sad that a effing fascist died tonight. Wow. Listen, I'm at the point where I'm ready to put these police in the grave. I'm at the point where I want to burn the White House down. I want to take it to the Senate. 
senators. I want to take it to the Congress. I want to take the fight to them. And at the end of the day, if they ain't going to hear us, we burn them the f down. I'm one that talk real I talk it in New York, and I talk it in D.C. The same way I police up in New York, I cops up here in D.C. The same way I bust police in the head in New York, I bust police in the head in D.C. Now, it's a lot of people, and I'm going to be honest, it's a lot of people that's on this front line. And one of the things that I always say, don't get on this front line if you ain't going to fight. Don't get on this front line if you ain't going to take no hit. Don't get on this front line when the police push up, you push back. If you're going to be on this front line and them racist, nasty, punk, police is pushing up, you push the I'm not sad that a effing fascist died tonight. Put cops in their graves, burn down the White House. Now, it's fascinating. The mob, the media, state-run television, state-run print. They, they and the Democratic Party were united, one voice, summed up by the great Jerry Nadler dope that he is, that it's a myth there's violence in these cities. This this is the summer of love zone. This is the, no, no, this is not violence. You know, Mayor Wheeler out there with the protesters. Now with one voice, all of a sudden, you know, some point reality hits you when you're almost at a hundred straight days in Portland of violence. Some point uh, that now what do they do? Instead of taking responsibility, they blame Donald Trump and they're doing that with one voice. Donald Trump's fault. Well, every place Donald Trump's been begging to go in and help out these cities without having to, you know, implement the 1807 Insurrection Act. And my question is, where was Joe and where was Barack and where were the Democrats? Because thousands were shot, thousands killed in Chicago the eight years they were president and vice president. Why didn't they do anything after Cambridge, Ferguson, Baltimore? They didn't do a thing. Newt Gingrich is with us, former Speaker of the House. He has his podcast, which is phenomenal, I know, because I was a guest on it, Newt's World Podcast, and his book, Trump and the American Future. Uh, let me tell you something. It's all on the line in 64 days. Mr. Speaker, how are you? Glad you're with us. Well, I'm delighted to be with you. I'll just tell you, uh, Kalista and I watched the Portland Mayor's press conference last night. It was one of the most appalling cowardly, dishonest. I mean, it's a guy who needs psychotherapy. He has, you know, he has, he has almost 100 days of violence, and he's standing there wringing his hands saying, I hope all of you will quit being violent. I mean, this is crazy. Um, and I think it's typical of what we're up against in all of these cities. You know, there's, there's, first, you, you have to marvel 
at how they always speak in one voice. You know, Trump, uh, Russia collusion matters, but only Trump will ignore Hillary's dirty dossier uh, completely. Russian disinformation that impacted the 2016 election, she paid for it. You have to care about obstruction of justice if it's Trump, but ignore subpoenaed emails, deleted bleach bit hammers. You have to believe quid pro quo matters, uh, but not, Joe, you're not getting a billion taxpayer dollars unless you fire the prosecutor that's paying my zero experience on millions of dollars. Uh, now you have to believe that it's a myth somehow that, you know, there's no violence in these cities. What are all these cities? New York, Seattle, Portland, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Chicago. There's one commonality. They've all been run by liberal Democrats for decades, Mr. Speaker. That, to me, is a preview of coming attractions in Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's America. You know, the reason that they're now in so much trouble, and I, I actually think they're, they're right on the edge of freefall, is they're asking you to not believe your lying eyes. They're saying, you know, there's this wonderful picture of a CNN reporter standing in front of a burning building with a chyron that says peaceful protests. And... You know, every American who saw that realized these people are just nuts. Yeah, I of saw that, Cairo. Yeah, Don Lemon yeah, said, oh, no, it's showing up in the know. polls. It's showing up in the focus groups. We better stop the violence now for political reasons. Why, don't you Look, st- why didn't they stop the violence in Chicago when Barack's hometown was where there was a war zone when he was president? Well, you know, you, you mentioned Obama reminds me. Uh, you may remember the famous moment where his pastor talked about the chickens coming home to roost. That was a, that well, was the Sunday after 9-11. America's chickens coming home to roost. Yeah, I do. Well, I think, I think liberalism's chickens are coming to home to roost in every major city. And that's what we're watching. It's almost every single major city. And you look at the death rate, uh, you look at the crime rate in general, um, you look at the turning their back to looting and destroying stores, uh, and all the things that have been going on. And what's happening, of course, is that Andrew Sullivan, who is a, I would, I would argue, is a, a solid liberal. I, I debated him one time at the Monk Debate in Canada. Great guy, very smart. <clears throat> Did a piece yesterday and said, look, the number one job of the government is to protect me. And if it can't protect me, there's not a number two issue. He said, I don't care how much I disagree with the, with the candidate. If the candidate will protect me, I'm going to be for that candidate, period. And I think he's captured what is all of a sudden being hit liberals, which is when you have many of your greatest cities in flames, and then we know, for example, that this is a nationwide problem. I, my guess is the next few weeks we'll discover, and the Justice Department and the Treasury Department will collaborate on using the tools that they developed first against the mafia and then against uh, the drug trade. Uh, and we'll discover the network of money. We'll discover who's been doing this because in Kenosha yesterday, they stopped three vehicles from Seattle. They were at a gas station. They were filling up various containers with gasoline. When they, when they opened them up, they found out that they had all sorts of stuff to fight a war. And that these are people who had come to maximize the damage in Kenosha. And I saw one reference tonight that said that people who have been arrested so far in Kenosha come from 44 different cities. So what you do have is a nationwide left-wing anti-American anarchist group that is eager to destroy our cities, eager to tear apart our society, uh, eager to kill police, 
eager to beat up U.S. senators, such as what's happening to Ron Paul. And frankly, my belief is the only answer, and I remember I'm, I'm, I'm a lot older than you, so I remember in the late 60s we had 2,500 bombings. And what ended the bombings was when there were no bombers out of jail. And I think we're about to go into a similar cycle where we just have to go in and we have to we decide that if you're engaged in these kinds of behavior, you're just going to go to jail for a long time and keep doing it until people figure out that it's not, you know, it's not possible to sustain this kind of war against America. But look at what they're saying. We need to reimagine the the criminal justice system and law enforcement, Kamala said. And Joe Biden has said similar things after he called police become, he says they become the enemy and the police. Uh, yeah, of course, we'll reallocate funds uh, away from the police, uh, which I think should scare pretty much everybody. Um, and and Kamala supporting a hundred and fifty million dollar cut to the LAPD. But what else are they calling for? Uh, a civilian corps of unarmed first responders, eliminating private prisons, uh, getting rid of uh, mandatory minimums, uh, steps that candidates, you know, eliminating in particular uh, bail for for criminals as well. How's that going to work out, Mr. Speaker? My brain tells me not very well. Well, <laughs> well my newsletter this Wednesday at the is on uh, the Democrats becoming the Lion King Party. And I make the argument having watched the mayor the other night. But what you have both in foreign policy where you, and, in the, and, and here at home is you have an entire liberal movement that can't deal with the concept of evil, that can't deal with the concept of predators. It actually thinks the world works like the movie The Lion King where lions and zebras and warthogs all love each other. And apparently none of these liberals ever saw a documentary in which the lions are eating the zebras and the warthogs. Uh, and so you have these, these, these people are just goofy. I mean, anybody who watches the mayor of Portland has to reach the conclusion that he is just prophetically goofy. And it's not, it's not liberal or conservative. This guy's out, you know, he's out of touch with the planet. Let's talk about the state of the race 64 days from Election Day. Uh, your perspective. Oh, Trump wins big, uh, probably picks up two Senate seats, and McCarthy becomes Speaker of the House. You really, and how confident are you, are you in your prediction? Because I'd like to tell everybody, uh, you got to act the whole time as though you're uh, you're what? six points down, of you're course. on your own no, 20. No, 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 no. You have to act like you have to act 60. I mean, I'm assuming that the president will remain uh, as competent and as disciplined and as aggressive as he has been. I'm assuming... His campaign will execute routinely and regularly. Uh, and I'm assuming uh, that Biden will only get awake intermittently and that we will presently realize I'm, I'm putting an entire newsletter and a podcast together on Kamala Harris and her own words. Because Kamala Harris is actually much, much, much worse than Biden. And she's, she's, she's to the left of Bernie media. Sanders, we now know. Oh, yes. It's, oh, yes. She's she just out to lunch. You know, she actually had this conversation where she said, we ought to think seriously about allowing um, the Boston bomber to vote from jail. (laughs) That's a new one I didn't hear. All right, so assessing, how is it that you go from denying the violence and and the looting and the rioting and the arson is happening? They just were in full denial, rarely mentioning mentioning it, 
you put out a platform of no bail um, and, you know, not saying a word of support for the brave men and women, the 99 percent of good police officers. How do you go from that to it's all Donald Trump's fault? Well, you do it because you, you're a total opportunist and you don't care. You know, some, somebody asked Kamala Harris uh, how she could say all those vicious things about uh, Biden and then turn right around and become his vice president. And she said, it was a debate. Yeah. Don't you get it? It was a debate. And she repeated it three times as though as long as you're lying in a debate, that doesn't count. Well, that's who these people are. They're going to say anything they have to say to try to win. Uh, none of it means anything. Uh, and, and, in fact, you're not going to see them say that Antifa, for example, should go to jail, which it should. You're not going to see them say that um, we ought to enforce the law or that we ought to strengthen the police because that would shatter their coalition. I mean, if, you know, if, uh, if Biden were to come out and say, what we need is a lot more police and a lot better trained police, and I really want to plus up the police, Half of his party would desert him. I mean, he, he law, you know, people haven't noticed it, but they only passed their platform with two-thirds of the vote. One-third of the delegates voted no. I mean, there's a left wing in that party that's not happy, doesn't trust him. Uh, it's and, the and Bernie-Biden manifesto. It doesn't get any more radical than that. Yeah, but the platform wasn't quite as radical as the manifesto. That's why they had to do the manifesto, to cover up the platform. I mean, is America ready for, for, I, I, you know, I just what? watch my own common sense says, yeah, no way. People see that he doesn't have, you know, strength, the stamina, uh, and that they, they talk about it. The media tries to ignore that too. And then they look at the platform. Will America vote for that left wing platform? 20 seconds. Well, my, my personal belief is no. I think what you're watching is George McGovern. Uh, and I think you're going to see them implode as a, as a ticket. And then you're going to see the Democrats panic. I think the panic has already set in. All right, former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, thank you. Uh, when we come back, we'll check in with Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky. He was accosted. His wife was accosted after the president's speech Thursday night. That personal story next. All right, 25 to the top of the hour. Live free or die. America, the world on the brink. You're the ultimate jury. 64 days on sale now. 40% off Amazon.com. So when I was in, well, I was in Washington two days last week and Baltimore another day. We were at the Rose Garden for the First Lady when she spoke at the RNC. And we were on the South Lawn, a massive crowd uh, for the president accepting the nomination final night of the Republican National Convention. And um, anyway, after, and we were also in Fort McHenry, which was an amazing, beautiful place, when Vice President, uh, Vice president Pence spoke uh, anyway, so there was the usual unrest and then outright violence that took place and intimidation of people that had gone to the president's event and the Republican event. One of them was Rand Paul, Senator Rand Paul. Here's his wife describing being surrounded by these protesters after the RNC. The video's online. It's, it was total chaos. We have it on Hannity.com. Uh, listen to what she said. It was absolutely terrifying. I have never experienced anything like that in my life. I hope no one else ever has to. 
um, we felt completely powerless. Before some of the video that I think you have shown where the police with the bikes were kind of creating a moving barricade for us, in the minutes before the police with the bikes showed up, we were completely encircled and surrounded, pressed up against two cops who, we were surrounded by people who were screaming in our faces, yelling that they were gonna F us up, screaming say her name, and at one point, you know, at first I was trying to look in their eyes and trying to have any kind of reason or, or to see someone as a human being, and I realized they did not see us as human beings. We were Trump supporters, so they absolutely despised us. Even though if we were ever in a situation and maybe could have talked to some of those folks and they knew about Rand's background in criminal justice reform and the things that I've spoken out on, we could have had agreement. But in that moment, it was just like this bloodthirsty mob, and all I could think of was was the man who was kicked in the head in Portland, you know, a week ago, or the man whose jaw was broken, or eight-year-old Sequoia Turner, I really felt that we were going to lose our lives. I thought someone was going to throw a brick. I mean, it was the most terrifying moment of my entire life. All right, Senator Paul from Kentucky joins us now. Senator, great to have you. Uh, sorry you went through all of that. It was Guess what? I saw you outnumbered. I saw cops in a real tussle. Uh, I saw that you were being targeted and you were not the only person. Well, thank goodness for the D.C. police. Uh, both my wife and I feel that we in all likelihood would not have survived without the D.C. police. Uh, you don't know what it's like to be in the middle of mob that you are. We had uh, close to 100 people, maybe more than 100 people pressing in on us. No space between us, them touching us and them touching the police the police standing stoic, us trying to stand stoic, and people pressing in and pressing in and pressing in. And, you know, I got there and I whispered to the policeman in, in his ear, I said, they know who I am. You need reinforcements. He called on the headset and it seemed like forever. We finally got reinforcements. But even when we did, they nearly put, pushed one of the policemen to the ground. And the, people have to realize that when a mob gets you to the ground, the first person to fall Someone kicks them, but then everybody kicks them. And you've seen the horrendous pictures from Portland. Our country's going to a mess. I mean, my goodness. And the president has it exactly right. If you want the country to look like Portland, they've had Democrats for 50 years in Minneapolis, Portland, Chicago, all these cities, and their mayhem, ruin, and violence. And that's what's going to happen to our country if we let uh, the Democrats take over our country. Nearly 100 days in Portland and that dopey mayor out there and governor out there are, are actually trying to say this is all Donald Trump's fault. You know, it's like what, what did Joe and Barack do with all the violence every weekend when they were president and vice president? They didn't lift a finger and they barely mentioned it. And thousands of people were shot and murdered. They did nothing. They said nothing. Ferguson did nothing, said nothing. Baltimore. Well, what they... They actually end up always on the wrong side of all of these issues in their rush to judgment. Somehow it's Donald Trump's fault. But have you heard of any Democrat politician being surrounded and threatened? Have you heard of anybody going into a restaurant and uh, affronting and throwing their food on the ground to a Democrat politician? It's all coming from the left. The left is angry, but they're also teaching our kids and they're spreading this message of hate that everyone hates them. So you might as well loot because you've got no chance in society. And that's absolutely the opposite of the truth. We have less racism, less prejudice, and more opportunities for people than we've ever had in my lifetime. And we need to quit lying to people and telling them that America is a terrible place. 
it's an incredible place to live, and there are opportunities for you no matter what color your skin is. And violence isn't the answer. But I promise you, this crowd had violence in their eyes, malevolence, evil, and they would have they would have stomped us to death had the police not be there. And uh, I talked to the president about it, and he said he's going to bring them to the White House, and I'm going to be there because we owe our lives to these people who every day are risking their lives to keep us safe. So we saw that on 9-11. When did the police become the enemy? And these idiotic ideas that, oh, we need to reimagine, as Kamala and, and Joe Biden have been saying, how we do policing. And they're talking about sending out social workers to crime scenes. I'm like, OK, good luck with that. You don't need to be a brain surgeon to figure out that's never going to work. But the the oddity of it all is now the Democrats and their their state run propaganda media, both on television and, and in the in print, their new talking point, they are they always unite as one, be it their Russia conspiracy lies or the Ukrainian quid pro quo lies while ignoring Joe and ignoring Hillary's dossier. But no, this is all Donald Trump's fault. I see everywhere Donald Trump was allowed to go in after being a must be asked unless we get into a big discussion about what the Insurrection Act of 1807 which does, I believe, constitutionally authorize the president to restore law and order and safety in, in these cities. But they have steadfastly refused any help that the president is offering almost daily. Why? And now they're saying well, it's his fault? My question is, when is Joe Biden and Kamala Harris going to tell their people to stand down? When are they going to say that violence isn't the answer? They are egging these people on. They think it's hilarious. But the thing is, is when the police aren't there... You see what happened to that man in Portland. You see that image from about three months ago where a man is kicked so much that he has decerebrate posturing. It's when your, your hands and, and your arms involuntarily contract in a contorted fashion. That's because your brain has been damaged from the kicking. That's what happens when the police aren't around. And nobody's saying don't do it. From, from Biden to Kamala Harris to all the rest, they're saying get in their face. They're saying we're the enemy. Nobody's denouncing the violence. This violence is coming from the left. Well, you know, does now that they've been sitting on the sidelines and their poll numbers have been tanking because Americans, I don't care who you are, I would think it's universal. Americans want law, order, safety, security. Guess what, Senator? You and I both believe in our Constitution. And I don't see, you know, what, what, what first we believe in natural rights. Rights come from God, you know, endowed by our creator. Certain inalienable rights, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. You can't pursue happiness, though, if you don't have law and order, can you? If one-year-olds are being murdered in strollers in a park, if uh, an eight-year-old little girl is killed in Atlanta because her mom made a wrong turn into a chop zone, or the weekly violence that takes place in Chicago or Portland or Seattle or Los Angeles or San Francisco, one thing they all have in common, all these cities struggling with this, run by liberal Democrats— for decades. That's the one commonality. The First, Amendment, the First Amendment does not involve surrounding someone, preventing them from moving, and then threatening them. That's not in the First Amendment. That is not peaceful protest. After this happened to us, NPR and even the Associated Press said no evidence of violence. They're chanting about killing us and raping us and calling us all kinds of names. And the AP wire, you know, it's supposed to be objective news says no evidence of violence. Well, and, it's, and it's what did Jerry Nadler say? Genius that he is. It's, it's a myth. But look at, you know, in a way, the Democrats, what are they doing? They're giving, they're aiding and abetting this. 
their voices have been infrequent, inconsistent, and silent. The only reason we got the you know the sixty four day election year conversion. Uh oh. This is now showing up in the polls. We are being held accountable. So now we're going to use tough words, but uh, a little, a li- too little, too late, Senator. They, and, I, and I don't think their heart's in it. I think it's a political show for a lot of these politicians. I think this is a wake-up call for everybody, though. They need to see what's going on, the violence that's coming from these people. And they need to understand that when people are inciting a riot, and we already have evidence that these people weren't from D.C. They're from all over. And my hope is that we find out who's funding them because they're, they're staying at the Willard, five $600 a night hotel, and then they're riding at night and burning and, and looting. These are, these are people that are staying at the Willard and the W Hotel. So something's going on here. And to me, it's an interstate racket. It's an FBI crime. It's a crime against all of us. If they're traveling across state lines and funding people, People are now noticing the same pictures in riot photos in Portland, Louisville, and D.C. They're noticing Mm -hmm. some of the same people. When it quiets down in one town, there are people being flown from one town to another town. This is bigger than we all think, and something's got to be done on this front. And, um, you know, the violence will happen if the police are not there. Once they defund the police, if we had had no police, I am fully convinced that this crowd would have not stopped until they'd be, at the very least, stomped us and beaten us senseless. Because these people had evil in their eyes. These are not good people, and this is not the First Amendment. When you prevent people from moving, when you hold them against their will with a mob around them, that is a, that is a crime of violence, and it's got to stop. Well, Senator, sorry you had to go through it. Others have to go through it. I'm sorry our fellow citizens have to live this hell, live this nightmare. New York City, New York State, uh, Illinois, Chicago. Portland, Oregon, Seattle, Washington, Los Angeles, California, San Francisco, California. That is a daily reality for far too many innocent moms and dads, grandmas, grandpas, and now even our young kids. And they haven't lifted a finger to solve these problems. Not only run by Democrats now, but run by Democrats for the last 50 years. So people have to decide if you want your city to be Portland and to be on fire for 100 days, that's what you're going to get, because Democrats have run Portland for 50 years, have run Minneapolis for 50 years, Chicago. If that's what you want, that's what you're going to get. But uh, don't blame us if the whole United States is on fire with violence when we have no police. So something's got to be done. And I believe stronger and stronger every day that there's going to be enough people who say, I don't want to live with this kind of violence. I don't want to live with a mob running the streets. I really think that this is a tipping point and people are going to see this mob violence. And just to view the pictures of people being stomped to death, I mean, really, we have to do something about this. All right, Senator Rand Paul, thank you for being with us. 800-941-SHAWN if you want to be a part of the program. Uh, let's go to Jim is in Kenosha. He's in Wisconsin. Jim, first of all, our condolences. So sorry about what your great city is going through. And it shouldn't happen. And, um, you know, I just feel terrible for everybody there. Yeah, Sean, thank you very much. Um, We were one of several groups that set up neighborhood watches. Um, uh, The police just basically came out and briefed us, told us to stay near our property and uh, call them if anything happened. Well, one of our friends who was set up in front of a strip mall um, later in the evening, a looter came in and started beating on the ATM with a baseball bat. Uh, One of his men called 911. He and another fellow stopped the guy, 
had him on his knees with his hands in the air. About 10 seconds later, the cops pulled in. All they did was uh, cuff him, throw him in the back of the car, and, you know, thank the guys for um, uh, their help. You know, one of the things these people don't realize is that most of the buildings they're building, they're burning down and destroying are in the poorest sections of town. And these people are losing uh, lifetime investments uh, because of this nonsense. You know, it's just sad and it's unnecessary and it's preventable. You know, we have a justice system. We have, it's imperfect. We have police that want to serve, police that are willing to put their lives on the line. That's the 99%. We don't like when we see the George Floyd incidents. You know, there are other cases that are more nuanced and, and we ought to stand with the principle of uh, not rushing to justice, innocence before the presumption of guilt, free and fair uh, trials, unbiased juries, and 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 dispensing justice when warranted. The system is imperfect, but I can't think of a better one. But restoring order is not hard. It's about everybody in a community, and the fact that that some are allowed to disrupt entire cities for months on end and take over blocks and that you have politicians lying that they're summer of love zones, autonomous zones, taking over police departments. They, it is a betrayal of the highest order. And that, that is every big liberal city run by liberal Democrats for decades. And guess what? Where has it gotten us? How do I view this? as a preview of coming attractions in Joe Biden America Joe Biden's America anyway our best to all your friends in Kenosha you're in our prayers everybody I live free or die America the world on the brink you are the ultimate jury 64 days away what is at stake amazon.com 40% discount uh, so the president remember he, he he was the person responsible it wasn't Joe and it wasn't Barack when it comes to police reform or a commitment uh, to historically black colleges, more money pledged for more years than ever in history or building out opportunity zones uh, or record low unemployment. Uh, no, they added 13 million more Americans to food stamps and they added 8 million more to the poverty level. And that was their eight year track record of failure. Um, now it's interesting. 94 days of violence all over Portland. Now it's Donald Trump's fault. When nobody, especially Joe, hiding in his basement bunker, had much to say at all. Uh, there was a really unbelievable moment on Friday. Friend of this program, Alice Marie Johnson. Remember, she had her sentence commuted um, back a while ago after the president put into effect his Criminal uh, Justice Reform Act. And uh, anyway, so she was back in the White House. She was she spoke at the Republican National Convention, gave an incredible, inspiring speech and she spent 21 years in jail, first-time offender. And if it wasn't for Donald Trump, uh, who, who commuted the sentence, now gave her a full pardon, she would still be in jail. Here's what happened in the White House on Friday. We're giving Alice a full pardon. I just told her. We didn't even discuss it. We just, uh, you were out there, I saw you in the audience last night. And I asked the folks if you could bring Alice over. We're going to give a full pardon. We're going to do it right now. That means you have been fully pardoned. That's the ultimate thing that can happen. That means you can do whatever you want in life and just keep doing the great job you're doing. Alice has done an incredible job since she's been out. 
and uh, recommending other people. We said, how many people are they like you? There's only one Alice, as far as I'm concerned, but uh, how many people are like you or your circumstance where they were given this massive sentence and they're good people, great people? And she said, so many. They're in jail, so many. And she's looking for those people and she's recommending those people and we've already done some that you know, that you know are good people and they've done really well since they've been out. So we're taking Alice from a commutation to a full pardon and I'm gonna sign it right now and we're very proud of Alice and the job you've done. And joining us now, Alice Marie Johnson, 21 years in jail. You had no hope of ever getting out. You're now free. And now your life has been transformed, and and many good things I hear are in your future. Thank God. Yes, I thank God. Thank you, Sean. You know I love coming on your on your program. Thank Almost you. Twenty two years, twenty one years, seven months, and six days. Unbelievable. Said, yes. And now you can, now. By the way, now you can vote in this election. Absolutely. I I don't think I have to guess who you might be voting for. I don't think you do, Sean. No, um, I don't think anyone even has to ask me that question. Who knows me? You know, one of the things that I find, I don't think I'm as good a person as you or could ever be as good a person as you. And I'll tell you why. So that is what we call disparate sentencing. And if we really look back and, and are going to give, you know, cre- credit, if you will, or blame, I think blame for disparate sentencing. You go back to that 94, you know, crime bill. Joe Biden was leading that effort. Joe Biden also led the effort with the former Klansman that filibustered the Civil Rights Act of 64 and was dead set against the Voting Rights Act. And Joe Biden and Robert Byrd tried to stop integration of schools. Even Kamala Harris called him out on that during one of the primary debates. And that's when he said he didn't want his kids going to school in what he said was a racial jungle. And I know Democrats every two years and every four years, Alice Marie Johnson, they always say Republicans are racist, they're sexist, they're misogynist, they're homophobes, xenophobes, Islamophobes, they want dirty air and water, and they want to throw our grandmothers and grandfathers in wheelchairs off a cliff and die. That's pretty much the standard operating book of, of a Democratic Party campaign. How do you see the Republican Party today, maybe versus how you once saw it? Having interacted with so many people who are in the Republican Party, I'm finding so many of those myths destroyed. Just people are people. And to label people, to put a people a label on people because of their party is absolutely insane. And um, I think a lot of people are, you know, just coming to realize that we've got to get past those labels and look at what your policies are. Look at what you're doing and, and, and then choose who they want to vote for. I tell people to vote your conscience. Vote your conscience. Look at the platforms that are out there and then you decide. Let's not be afraid to cross party lines, but look at what is important to you. No, I think it's great. So when you're in prison and you're facing a life sentence, how do you go from you know, the 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 heavy magnitude and burden of realizing you made one mistake? And now your life, for all intent and purposes, is over. Your freedom is gone. And how long did it take you to sort of maybe let go whatever bitterness or anger or blame or, you know, at the end, I think it was an injustice. It wasn't a fair sentence. Nobody would ever argue that today. And then take and then actually transform yourself into somebody that was helping younger prisoners 
so that they wouldn't come back when they got their chance to get out. Yes, uh, for me, it was hearing that those heavy steel doors slam, and then it's real. I am here, and I'm being told that I'm never going to rejoin my family again. Even one of the uh, one of the people in the courtroom uh, who was prosecuting us told my daughter, "You can kiss your mother goodbye." You know, basically, was tell her you're never going to see her again as a free woman. And hearing those heavy doors slam, I really and truly can tell you, Sean, and it was not jailhouse religion either. I fell on my knees before God and asked him for purpose in this, what I'm going through. And I made a commitment that if you can use me, Lord, if you can use me for anything, I'm available. I had to have a complete surrender to God to use me for whatever, to just be with me. Just don't leave me. And I started seeing, I'm, I'm going to call them opportunities, just looking around at so many hurting women who had no hope. My hope was in the Lord. My hope was in Jesus, who had no hope. I took the focus off of myself and what I was going through and just started trying to help them. And in helping them, really it made my burden lighter. When you don't focus on yourself and you look at what someone else is going through, it makes you... It, 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 you, I couldn't have a pity party, and literally, I started becoming stronger and stronger and stronger, you know, in my faith as I saw God moving and doing miraculous things in the lives of the women who I was there with. But I knew one very key thing was I had to forgive. I had to forgive everyone, those who testified against me to save themselves when they know what their roles were. They literally exchanged my role for theirs. Um, I had to forgive all of that because I, I had to realize they were but they were just flesh and blood, just like me, and they did some things that I couldn't do to another person that they did to me, and I had to, to, to forgive them because they were occupying too much of my, of, of, of my mind. And when I started releasing it, and you know, Sean, forgiveness is, does not mean that you have a memory relapse. It's a memory release. I released that. I didn't want that to poison me because they didn't care how I was feeling. I, I was feeling like that, but I was only hurting myself. It wasn't instant. I just had to start praying for them. Whether I felt it or not, I had to keep confessing that I forgive them. I forgive them. And also, you know, people that was involved in my the prosecution of me of everything i had to i had to let that go when you so got go on your knees night. was that the first night that the that that prison the, those bars slammed shut yes yes when those on bars, night one i heard yes on night one i couldn't do it i knew i could not do this on my own not and stay in my right mind i'm gonna put it like that i knew i needed god i grew up in a very strong christian family but I walked away from my faith when I was a teenager because I wanted to do the things of the world. And plus, I, I got and then got pregnant and got married very young and just didn't really live much of a life, um, you know, as an adult. I had my children. My whole focus was on my children. But it's something about raising your children and giving them that strong foundation because even though they may stray from it, if they've got that foundation, they're going to go back to it. And so from from my beginnings of life and my young life as serving the Lord. That is who I turned back to. And I didn't care if anyone called it whatever. I knew I needed the Lord in my life. And it was him. I give him all the glory for the 
as they say, the transformation that took place in my life. And I was able to pass that on to other women and encourage them. I started, as I said in my speech, I started writing plays and involving women, but it was more than just theatrical productions. It was showing women that they had value, that it was something that they could do, rather than walking around the the compound having nothing to do. I started writing faith-based plays where I was able to to tell the gospel story through drama and minister to women who didn't have what I had, and that was the hope of Christ. It seems like you found freedom within those prison walls. I mean, in in your own way, you found a life within there, um, separate and apart with the, you know, very difficult circumstances you're living under. You know, Michelle Obama is, is now doing a podcast, and a lot of it has made news and at one point, she says she thinks she's dealing with some low-grade depression. And, you know, because of, obviously, quarantine and racial strife and seeing an administration, watching the hypocrisy every day in and day out is dispiriting. And, you know, how we have to think about being wealth being redistributed and then goes on to our political views. And she describes in detail that she does not believe that people that are white in America Act, they, quote, act like black women don't exist. Let me play this for you. People will come up and pet my dogs, but will not look me in the eye. They don't know it's me. You know, what, what white folks don't understand, it's like that. that is so telling uh, of how white America views people who are not like them. You know, we don't exist. What is your reaction to that? I mean, she was the first lady of the United States for eight years, but I just wanted your thoughts. I sure hate that people are being grouped based upon their skin color. I've had interactions with people of all races, and I have found that it's the character of a person that defines them and not the color of their skin. And I hope that no one, Sean, you're my good friend. You're a white man. And I sure would have, I sure would hate for that to be something that separates us. I, listen, I am not as great a Christian as what you're describing here, but I would strive to be one because I admire you so much and I, I know the goodness in your heart. Um, I, I just believe every man, woman, and child is created by the same God. And I, I, but, and I do believe the human heart is a propensity for good and a propensity for evil, period. Absolutely. And it comes in all different races and colors. It's, it's, it's the heart. The heart is not black or white. I think if you cut us open, we're going to all have the same heart that's beating same type of heart we're going to bleed the same color blood that what what is it that separates us being in prison i was around people from every race every country and there was things that we were alike and that thing that that brought us alike most of us were mothers being separated from our children we were all trying to live life the best that we could we all, most of us, loved our families, and that's what I'm finding with Americans is, you know, being a free woman, most people care about their families. They want to be able to work and provide for their loved ones. Those, they want to have the freedom to worship their God, and these are things that's inherent. We want to be treated with respect. These are things that are inherent in all of us. And so, so much, so much in life we miss 
when we start viewing each other in that way. You know, my mom was a prison guard. She worked 16-hour shifts, and and at different points, she actually taught classes to the inmates. And and what she said, and honestly, I mean, she was, my whole life growing up, she was there 16 hours a day, almost every day. And she said, she would say to me that some people will go in and you know they're never coming back because they t- they take that they learn their lesson and then yes. she'd say there's just a revolving door for other people that will never learn their lesson and mm-hmm. it, you know i think she was trying to tell me or teach me something you have certainly taught me a lot in my life um you have a heart of gold uh alice marie johnson full pardon by the president of the united states uh, congratulations, well-deserved, and the great work you do. Uh, keep us in the loop. We always want to help and support anything you're doing, okay? Well, thank you so much, Sean. Thank you. Okay. For, I'm, thank you I'm for honored to call you a friend. Thank you for coming on. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Wow. What an incredible woman, right, Linda? Wow. Just blows me away. I know I'll never be that nice. I can never be that nice. Amazing woman. I live free or die, America, the world is on the brink, 800-941-SEAN, you want to be a part of the program. Well, it's interesting, Biden is now hitting the campaign trail, blaming Donald Trump for city violence. Let's start with one basic fundamental truth that uh, Democrats won't like, and that is that um, they did nothing after Ferguson. There was no police reform. He's the one that Push the, the crime bill with disparate sentencing. Biden and Obama did nothing for criminal justice reform. Biden and Obama did nothing in terms of they were, you know, what, they joined the, they didn't want to be too loud. They didn't want to be that outspoken. They didn't want to be, you know, the ones that were saying defund the police, but they, I have yet to find comments where they support the good, the overwhelming number of good people. You know, I love how Democrats, you know, booted judge out there blaming anarchy on Donald Trump. Biden is now that's the new talking point. Let's blame Donald Trump for the city violence cities run by liberal Democrats for decades. Eight years of never ending shootings, violence and death in Chicago. Thousands shot and they did nothing. They barely mentioned it. Ferguson, Baltimore, all under Joe and Barack's watch. Oh, but the, the, the Trump era is, is you, you know, it, it's divisive. Well, what about the divisiveness of, of Barack Obama after September 11th? Remember that scene we were able to come across the aisle? And remember he talked about getting in your face? Get, get in their face. I'm going to send Mr. Burgess over to tear Sean Hannity up. Uh, you know, comment after Obama once referring to, to a grandmother as a typical white person. White folks' greed runs a world in need in his own book. Tea Party activists, you know, they're teabag anti-government people. Eric Holder, we are a nation of cowards on the issue of race. Uh, and it was devices from there. I mean, this is the Democratic Party. Maxine Waters telling Americans to target Republicans in stores and gas stations. Uh, you know, look what happened to Rand Paul, who we talked to earlier. Portland mayor is now blaming Trump for the violence that led to a death of a Trump supporter. Oh, OK, that makes sense. Oregon Governor Kate Brown blaming Trump for the violence. Five shot in a restaurant in Chicago. Mayor Lightweight is blaming Donald Trump. Comrade DeBlock blaming. Do- what what are you talking about? All Donald Trump has done is said, let me go in and help you restore order. That's what he's been offering Day in and day out as they are in a state of denial 
Or in the words of Jerry Nadler, it's a myth. You know, what, day 90-whatever of Portland violence, and, and they're still denying it. Now they want to cast blame. Pretty unbelievable. Well, you know, listen to what is being said on, on, in cities and streets across America. You know, we'll start in Washington, D.C., then we'll end in Portland. Listen to this. I'm at the point where I'm ready to put these police in the grave. I'm at the point where I want to burn the White House down. We burned them the down. I'm one that talk real I talk it in New York, and I talk it in D.C. The same way I police up in New York, I cops up here in D.C. The same way I bust police in the head in New York, I bust police in the head in D.C. There you get to hear it yourself. That last comment, in case you missed exactly what it said, is I'm not sad that an effing fascist died tonight. A Portland protester, you know, chanting while, you know, shooting off firecrackers, calling for putting cops in graves and burning the White House down. That's been going on for months. Democrats, they've been eerily silent. As a matter of fact, you can even at this point argue, considering they did nothing with the eight years as president and vice president, they did nothing to fix Chicago. That was a preview of coming attractions. Now this cancer has spread to other cities across the country. Uh, We have a new bill that is being proposed by Congressman Jim Banks that would strip rioters of any federal unemployment benefits, which I think is a pretty good idea. Congressman Banks is from Indiana to give us a quick update on this, sir. Uh, you hear the rhetoric, you see what's happening. Now, all of a sudden, the people that have been pretty much silent and in in their lack of speaking out against the anarchy, all of a sudden now, oh, it's Trump's fault. And all Donald Trump has done is offer to help them. Yeah, Sean, the American people are laughing at Joe Biden today uh, because they know that what the, the absolute truth is, is that these are left-wing mob groups that are that are lashing out and causing violence and riots in the street. Um, and they and they lay that at the feet of Joe Biden, not at the president's feet. On Thursday, I know you spoke already with Senator Paul. Everyone's seen the video of what happened to him and his wife, Kelly, as they left the White House. There's another video that's gone viral as well of an older couple. They haven't been identified, but I happen to know them. They're from my district. And when I describe the video to you and your listeners, you, you pro- you've probably seen it. They walked out of the White House after the speech. They came to Washington to hear a president who they love, admire, and respect give a historic speech. But it was a memorable night for them for all the wrong reasons. They came out of the White House, and Antifa-style thug got in the face of this poor woman and and flipped her off with both of his middle fingers. Where I come from, Sean, you would be arrested for assault uh, for doing that. But but in in, in these Democrat-led big cities around America— you have this type of activities activity happening on a nightly basis, and the Democrats are the ones that are turning a blind eye to it. That, that's why I introduced the bill that I did. 
let's take away the enhanced federal unemployment benefits that these uh, thugs are pocketing every night that allows them to show up and protest on a nightly basis. It's a, it's a first uh, big step to make them think twice about uh, what they're up to every day. Are you getting any support in Congress for this bill or any Democrats uh, going to support you? I, I tend to think they wouldn't support this bill. Yeah, I've had a number of Republicans like Steve Scalise reach out first thing this morning and sign their name onto it. And as you know, Sean, I mean, Speaker Pelosi's been completely silent. I tweeted at her on my Twitter account at Rep Jim Banks last Friday and called on her to denounce this uh, the, these mobs and, and the riots happening all over America. She's been completely silent. I mean, and really, Joe Biden's comments today are a far cry from being willing to speak out against the left-wing uh, uh, riots and mobs in America. He just wants to blame someone else because he knows that the public sentiment is very much uh, against him when it comes to restoring civility and law and order in the streets. And, and everyone knows that President Trump is the one that's going to do that, not, not, uh, not Joe Biden and the Democrats who are responsible for it in the first place. Uh, I can't doubt any of that. Uh, all right, keep us updated on the bill. We really appreciate it. Congressman Jim Banks, Indiana. Uh, I will tell you that this is now showing huge signs in terms of how this is impacting the election. You know, there's a, a piece by the New York Post that Andrew Cuomo thinks he's done such a great job of handling coronavirus. He's going to write a book on leadership, which is a joke, patting himself on the back. Comrade de Blasio announcing that, you know, all they have to do to recover New York City's collapsing tax base is just raise more taxes and redistribute more wealth. And he doesn't care if, quote, the rich people from New York ever come back. This is a new New York. And yet people are leaving and fleeing the city so fast because of both issues uh, quote, it's nuts, Perry Chance of Show Up Movers told the New York Post Sunday. We have four of our own trucks, but we have so many bookings, we've had to start using U-Haul trucks. The volume has increased by 70% in the past few months, and clients are mostly moving out of luxury buildings. And he says the rich are leaving New York. Uh, well, they are. And it's not just the wealthy. There are now estimates 500,000 people have left. They're leaving. Why are they leaving? Because they're being pushed out. They don't feel safe. They don't feel secure. They're being taxed into oblivion. In other words, a preview of coming attractions if Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are elected. All right, let's get to our phones. Uh, let's say hi to Mary is in Nevada. N Mary, how are you? Glad you called. Uh, that has the potential to be a red state. There's no doubt about it. Yes, I agree. But I'm... Uh... A little disappointed that our governor is blue. Well, yeah, you know, next time the governor's up for re-election, I guess you could do something about that. Uh, you know, I tried the first time, but there's always hope. I have hope, always. But um, the reason I called is the unrest in Portland's been going on now for over three months. And it's like you said. It's spreading to other parts of the country, and the federal government gave aid with extra National Guard, et cetera, to Kenosha. And they thank our president by saying, you're not welcome in our state. And there was someone killed in Portland who was a Trump supporter. And I don't understand. How long does this have to go on, and why— hasn't Portland asked for help. They they don't want help. They tell Donald Trump, 
to stay away. But yet people have been killed. And I saw on your show, um, Lorenzo, 19 years old. Horace Lorenzo Anderson Sr. lost his 19-year-old son. Yes. Yes. Well, that broke my heart because that man, you could see the anguish on his face. And nobody has said anything about going after the person that killed his son. I don't understand what's going on in our world. And I'm hoping you can enlighten me. I'll I'll tell you what's going on is you've got two competing ideologies. One that coddles the lawlessness and supports open borders and amnesty. And, and has done nothing to lift a finger to fulfill their most simple and basic and fundamental role in government, which is law, order, safety, security. They failed at a spectacular level. And now that it gets exposed as they are impotent of dealing with, with something that we do know how to deal with, we know how to reduce crime, we know how to disperse crowds. You use pepper spray and you use tear gas. Those tools have been taken away from police officers and with it, their ability to do their job to serve and protect their communities. We see police officers now, they are resigning in droves. You see people moving out of cities like New York and Chicago and Los Angeles in droves. And, and the demand is so high, people can't keep up. And now the Democrats only in this, you know, final 64-day election year conversion are saying, oh, yeah, this is important stuff. Do they mean it? No, they don't mean it because they they're the ones that have been talking about defunding the police. They're the ones that have have not been slow and and very slow to speak out denouncing the violence. They they for a long time they didn't even they didn't even acknowledge that not, uh, violence was happening. Donald Trump wherever he's been asked and has sent in National Guard troops, order has been restored. There are ways to do it. Now they've got to ask him first to come in. Otherwise, we now find ourselves, okay, the president can rely on the 1807 Insurrection Act, but he obviously is is thinking of that only as a last resort, thinking, hoping, praying that at some point these pathetic mayors and governors get off their asses to save the lives of people that live in their states and their cities. It's not that complicated. Every life is precious. It's a gift from God. Our children are dying. They've done nothing. And to get lectured by the the mayor and governor of uh, Portland and Oregon as it relates to violence that's nearly gone on 100 straight days, to get lectured from Joe Biden when he didn't lift a finger with Barack to help Barack's home city of Chicago for eight years, 4,000-plus shot every week. It did barely, barely mentioned it. And now they're going to lecture the rest of us that that they're all for law and order when, in fact, Kamala Harris praising one hundred and fifty billion dollar cuts in, you know, the police department. And and Joe talking about maybe we don't need we'll reallocate funds and we'll hire social workers. Okay, good luck with that. That's not going to work. I wish it would, but it, it won't work. For those of you wondering what we can do this election year, uh, let me tell you something. Everything is on the ballot. It's going to be we're going to continue the greatest country God gave man, freedom, liberty, capitalism, risk, reward, invention, innovation. 
or you're going to buy the big lie that everything's free, open borders, the United Sanctuary States of America, free health care, guaranteed job, guaranteed food that's healthy, guaranteed wages, guaranteed retirement, the big lie. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Full, complete coverage, just 64 days till Election Day. Best coverage on your radio and television dial. Donald Trump Jr., Ari Fleischer tonight, Dan Bongino, Geraldo, Sarah Sanders, and also, oh, Kim Klasik, who's running in Baltimore. What an ad she put out there. Rick Grinnell tonight, 9 Eastern, Hannity, Fox. We'll see you then. Thanks for being with us. Please set your DVR every night, 9 Eastern.